Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Let me give you an outline of the next 15 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes, and how I'd like to see the show go and the direction I'd like to see the program go. You know, I start out with a certain idea of how I'd like the show to sound, and then I get sidetracked, and it doesn't. It never turns out the way I want it to. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about the Super Bowl and Rihanna's halftime show and the Black National Anthem, all that. But I want to talk first about the attack against Christians in this country. There is, it's, it's open season on Christians. There was a whistleblower on Fox recently. He was on Tucker Carlson's show. I have not yet seen the interview, but he was warning that the federal government is scheming to declare Christians actual criminals. Now, you might say that's not going to happen in America, not in a million years. We're not Nazi Germany, although we have, it seems like we have Nazis running the government at times, certainly communists. We have an attorney general, Merrick Garland. He's the AG of the U.S. of A. He's classified conservative, i.e. traditional Catholics, violent extremists. Now, there are a lot of things I could say about this. I'll try to pare it down. Obviously, it's troubling. It's not going to fly. And this whistleblower says the the feds are developing a scheme through which they would declare Christians actually criminals. The report explained, and I'm going to read this here from, I think this is from WorldNet Daily. The report explained an internal document from the FBI's Richmond field office allegedly vowed to spy on, quote, radical traditionalist Catholics and their ideology. Now, conservatives just by the very nature of being conservatives, it's impossible for a conservative to be a radical. That's, it's a misnomer. Radicals are left-wingers. They want radical change quickly. Traditionalists or conservatives do not want change that quickly. So it's just, it's wrong to classify a conservative as a radical. So this guy's name is Serafin. Let me get his, Kyle Serafin. He was on Tucker Carlson's show and they, he said, They, the feds, have found a gateway in what they think is fringe Catholicism in order to move into Christians in general, that doesn't make sense, and declare them to be the actual criminals in this country or the potential terrorists. Now, the Democrats and the liberals and the progressives, call them what you will, I've got a few names that I can't repeat here, but they want to turn loose the actual criminals. We see it in New York State with these bail reform laws. Actual violent criminals are turned back out onto the streets because any incarceration, according to these people, is tantamount to slavery. They've said it. But he continued, I'm friends with people who love the Latin mass. I grew up in a traditional school. I did as well in the 60s, where I actually learned Latin in fifth and sixth grades all the way through high school. Now the FBI, at this point, they... They're so desperate to find white supremacists under every rock that they're going to look at the Catholic Church. They should look at the Pope if they want to look at radicals. He's a radical, but not the kind of radical that they're looking for. Or It's just unbelievable. If you believe in a Latin Mass, I have a lot of friends who still attend Latin Mass. I took one year of Latin in high school. My daughters are Latin scholars. My oldest daughter, I think her average was like 107 in AP Latin. They're brilliant. My mother taught Latin. I took only one year, and I think I got a C. So I'm not a Latin scholar by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're, you know, for a Latin mass, or if you're uh, 
extremely pro-life as every Catholic should be, including the Pope, then somehow you're a target of the federal government. So according to Serafin, the person who brought him this information stated the very simple statement, which is that if they're going to go after radical traditional Catholics, then radical traditional Baptists are next, then radical traditional evangelicalism, and anybody else that espouses essentially what is radical, which is just Christian faith. And and apparently that's dangerous to the left. This is what we're up against. This is who we're up against. And it's been it's been coming for decades. And when I, I'm reading this, and I, I'm just, these people are bent on criminalizing Catholicism. You can bet on it. What are RTCs? I didn't know what RTCs were until I read this piece. They are otherwise known as Catholic apologists. I'm looking at, I can't believe, what happened to the First Amendment? We have a First Amendment in this country. We're free to worship as we choose, as long as we don't infringe on another person's right to do the same, or another group's right to do the same. How can radical Catholics, and they're using their terminology, conservative Catholics, God-fearing people, be a threat to the country? They're barking up the wrong tree, the feds on this. Now, you know, Merrick Garland is Jewish. What if another faith were attacked like Catholics? It's open season on Catholics. What if Jews were attacked? There's a lot of anti-Semitism in this country, and it's on the rise. But if if somehow Jews were targeted, you think the uh, FBI and the Justice Department would have something to say about it? You better believe it. Or what if Muslims were targeted? But Catholics, in this case, are the target. I mean, this is... Are violent extremists? You can see why the left hates Tucker Carlson. And the FBI wants us to think, well, they're not really coming for, for Catholics or for Christians. Don't believe it. I was, I was put in mind of a, a quote by a, a, a theologian back in the 1930s when, when Hitler came to rise in Germany. Martin Niemöller. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. That's what's going to happen in this country. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or Christian or Muslim or Jewish, whatever. This has got to be fought, and we're going to have to beat back this, this effort by, by certain elements in the federal government. There's, there are certain radical elements. We, we saw it in the 2020 election as the FBI and, and the Democrats and the media uh, sabotaged the 2020 election and robbed and I, I, I think stole the election from Donald Trump. The same forces are at work here. I don't want to spend the entire program on this, but it's certainly important enough to. They're poking the bear, as I said before. The, the, the left-wingers in this country, I don't know what their, their end game is. They want to destroy the foundations of this country. And one of the, the pillars of Western civilization is Christianity, specifically Catholicism. And they're not going to succeed. All right, the uh, Super Bowl. Congratulations to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, I got a couple of people close to me who are big Chiefs fans. My daughter, uh, Isabel, is a big Patrick Mahomes fan. And the, the, uh, the Chiefs won 38-35 in a, an exciting game. Uh, you know, it was marred by a, a late call late in the game. Uh, uh, it was a penalty against Philadelphia. Some say it really shouldn't have been pass interference. Anyway, Kansas City wins 38-35. Mahomes gets the uh, MVP, his second MVP of the Super Bowl, second title 
for KC in the Mahomes era. And uh, Jalen Hurts, fine young quarterback for Philadelphia. It's got to hurt, Jalen. It, w- it was a tough loss. Philadelphia was ahead early in the first half. They kind of dominated. And then Kansas City made some some adjustments at halftime, and they uh, they won. So it was a, you know two young quarterbacks. The media focused on the fact that uh, for the first time in Super Bowl history, there were two black quarterbacks. Mahomes is uh, biracial. And instead of focusing on the fact that these two young men are Christians, they focused on their race. That's the least important thing that they share. The fact that they are God-fearing Christians, and Mahomes says everything he does is centered around his faith. As long as God is glorified, then he's happy. That's what the media should have focused on, but you'll you'll never hear that. The the Eagles fans were were so... uh, Upset, we're, we're led to believe anyway. They they were tearing up part of the city. These these people are they're criminals. They didn't like the outcome, so they did what left wingers do. They destroyed property and acted the fool. The criminal element was was uh, busy in Philadelphia in the city of brotherly love. I, you know something? I, I bet you a lot of these people who were destroying property didn't even know the Eagles were in the game. They they were just looking for an opportunity to break the law. Some of them were just upset at the way in which Philadelphia lost. It was a tough loss, but it's a football game, ultimately. You had dozens of police officers in Philly, SWAT team members, were in riot gear. So on the halftime show, Rihanna did a, a pretty decent job, So, uh, from what I'm told anyway. I didn't see it. I was too busy eating in the kitchen. We saw the game at my, uh, my in-law's house. And uh, some say it was more tastefully done than recent halftime performances, which which wouldn't be hard to do. I mean, the bar has been set so low. Like I say, I didn't see it. I heard some of it. I guess she uh, she grabbed herself a few times, I guess. My daughter was saying it's because she was pregnant. She was doing that. She was uncomfortable. You know, I, don't, I didn't see it. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of, of Rihanna or some of today's shows, but by comparison to some of the recent uh, halftime shows, there were no, no wardrobe malfunctions or anything like that. So uh, I guess she was dressed appropriately enough. But that hasn't stopped a lot of these other performers uh, who've been pregnant and, you know, scantily clothed and everything else. So anyway, the, the, the halftime show didn't offend that many people, I don't think. I mean, it was hard to be offended from what I saw. And why would they want to offend the audience anyway? A lot of people turn off the, the halftime show. When, when the second quarter's done, they turn, I, you know, I usually turn it off too. But again, my, my in-laws were watching it and... Uh, so it was relatively harmless, and uh, the game was uh, one of the great Super Bowls, actually. This, a lot of these Super Bowls uh, are not always close games, but this one went right down to the final couple of minutes. All right, uh, other, another part of this, that I didn't see this at the beginning of the show, at the beginning of this, uh, the uh, Super Bowl, but there was the Black National Anthem was played before the game. And uh, my wife said it's a, it's a song written by James Weldon back in the 18, I don't know, 40s or 50s. And it's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I guess they've done it before. I, I just never noticed it. And I guess last night, too, they, the uh, players had some messages on the backs of their helmets. You know, end racism. <clears throat> a lot of the BLM stuff we saw in some of the basketball uh, uh, arenas earlier this year and last year. And, you know, it's like that's part of the game now. These little stupid little messages. End racism. Well, yeah, yeah, we should end racism. Just play football. That's what you're paid to do. Don't try to instruct us on how to behave or, you know, you know, you get paid a lot of money to play a boys game, play it, play it to the best of your ability and then be done with it. 
you know, I don't be, need to be instructed on, on how to behave. But that's the, the, the era in which we live. They don't want to offend too many people. I think we, we have one national anthem. That unifies us. We are the United States of America. One national anthem. You start celebrating all these different anthems. It's just, it contributes to the balkanization of America, which is what the left wants to do. They want us split up and divided and angry at each other. And this doesn't do anything to unify us. I don't think it does. It may seem harmless enough, but I, don't, I think there's a, an underlying agenda at work here. You know, back to religion. We know the president, Biden, that is, is trying to erode our religious liberty the U.S. Postal Service has begun, I guess I read today in the ACLJ's website, that they've begun forcing postal workers to work on Sundays. And according to the ACLJ, the USPS refused to give a postal worker an accommodation to continue going to church on Sunday, which he's always done. And a federal court ruled that he has no right to go to church. So the ACLJ is fighting it in court. Hopefully they'll win. That's Jay Seculo's group. And uh, you got to fight back against this stuff. Now, the USPS, Postal Service, most of these people are, are Democrats, the workers, the, the, uh, the rank and file. you got to make a choice. You know, if it's that important enough, if your faith is important enough, then God will provide for you. That's all there is to it. Just say, I'm, I can't work Sundays. It's against my religion. It's a day of rest or whatever. You'll work a double on Saturday. They wouldn't force a Muslim to work against his will, in, in my view. Or if they had Jewish people who need to be uh, out of town by sundown on Friday, would you make them work against their it's against their religious faith? But they can go after Christians, the USPS. Again, it's open season on Christians in this country. Speaking of open season, uh, I want to segue here to a final story, and this is a, this is a rough one. Evidently, it's open season on Republican politicians in parts of New Jersey. Did you hear about this? No, of course you didn't. The media won't talk about it for obvious reasons. This 30-year-old woman, a councilwoman, her name is Eunice Dwumfer, D-W-U-M-F-O-U-R. She was shot and killed in Sayreville, February 2nd. Now, another councilman, 51-year-old Russell Heller, was shot and killed in the PSE&G parking lot over the weekend. He was seated on the Milford Township Council, was Heller. The shooter in that case, 58-year-old Gary Curtis, a former employee, was later found in the parking lot in Bridgewater Township. He shot himself and eventually uh, succumbed to his injuries, fortunately. Uh, the shooter was black. The, the victim was white in this case. figure we'd make mention of that because the media won't say that either. Uh, detectives are uh, looking for a motive, trying to establish a motive in the second incident, according to the prosecutor's office. This other young woman... Sayreville is about 55 miles east of Milford. Police have yet to identify a potential suspect or motive in that shooting. Two Republican lawmakers, council people, shot dead in New Jersey. It's unbelievable. These are the times in which we live. I wish I had a a, a better way to end the program, but that's about going to do it to it. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. I think we covered the, the main things I wanted to hit. Uh, If you uh, like the program, hit like, please hit like, hit subscribe and share the program on uh, Facebook, social media, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about the Pac-Man podcast with me, Ted Flint. We do this at least once a week and go to the BMGnetwork.com. Find out uh, all the fine programming we have for you on there. 
great podcasters up on the BMG network. And uh, my daughter, Madeline, with The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. Adrian Ross has a show. The Age Sage is a, a relatively new show we have up there. And, of course, this one. And if you want to check out some of the columns we have for you under the Pack Perspective, go to the bmgnetwork.com. And if you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, and if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.